Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Every day, I don't care what the temperature is, I'm outside in a tank top having a cup of coffee. Always the women with the best hair don't wash it every day. So I'll just leave it there and invite you to think about that. Blah, 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 doc. Like, just tell me the supplements. Like, the supplements are going to help, but they're not going to replace lifting heavy, managing your stress, and eating whole foods. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health, the list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk, and my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot, as I have been doing, with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. 
All right, my friends, welcome back to part two of perimenopause, where we are exploring how we can set ourselves up for success and what are some of the action items in terms of lifestyle levers that we can manipulate. And following on our last episode, so if you haven't listened to that, please listen to that first. Pretty please with a cherry on top because we start off with some of the foundational basics that are essential to navigating perimenopause and the eventual menopause. And this episode, we are going to be talking more around supplements and I am going to touch on bioidenticals. However, we really do need to be thinking about some of the principles that I spoke about in part one first. And I will say, and I say it with love, but so many people on Instagram and who write into our support center are like, tell me what are the supplements that you're taking doc? And what are the things that you're doing? And supplements are, as the name suggests, supplementary to an already established regime. So I go over how to create a fitness program for yourself. I go over nutrition. I go over stress management. I go over sex and sleep and all the things. So what we're going to be jumping into today is we're going to be talking more around supplements. And when we're thinking about perimenopause, of course, we are still now building on other ways that we can help mitigate the stress response for a woman between the ages of call it 35 and 52, which is that age that I've defined loosely as perimenopausal at mid thirties is where we start to see uh, significant changes in sex hormone production, namely progesterone. And there are a couple of key supplements that I like to be looking at for an individual when we are thinking about helping to manage some of the common symptoms that we find uh, in perimenopause. So we talked last episode around things like hot flashes and mood disturbances and sleep and weight gain. And for me, the number, the biggest thing that I want to be addressing with supplements in addition to an already established routine is going to be stress management. And so for that reason, there are several that we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're going to start with Vitex, um, or chased berry is another, another way that it is uh, often referred to. And Vitex, I I love this supplement for a myriad of reasons, not just for a perimenopausal woman, but particularly for women um, with PCOS or who run androgen um, dominant. And it appears in terms of the mechanism of action that Vitex appears to affect the pituitary gland in its um, uh, ability to produce luteinizing hormone, which is the hormone that triggers ovulation, essentially. I often call luteinizing hormone you know, the uncle that comes in at the end of a, you know, celebratory meal, you know, everyone's finished, it's Christmas and he comes in late, everyone's already eaten and he'll come in and sort of whack you on the back and be like, Hey kid, what's up? You know? And then because I, and I'm thinking about a particular uncle that uh, does this all the time. And, you know, there was one time where I like kind of spit out my food, which is essentially what's happening at the level of the follicle, right? We have this luteinizing hormone surge, Uh, which is going to trigger the release of the egg from the follicle, that's ovulation, and then, of course, the development of the corpus luteum. So um, Vitex is great because of that mechanism of action. And then it also appears to increase progesterone 
and balanced testosterone. So this is one of the reasons why I like it for women with PCOS. And of course, PCOS follows you into perimenopause. And progesterone is one of the diminishing sex hormones that we actually see in uh, in perimenopause, at least starting in that mid-30s, as I was just mentioning. And what often happens is women who, and we were talking a little, a little bit about this last time, but women who traditionally uh, would say things like, I could handle all sorts of stress. I could handle the kids misbehaving and the career and the husband and the, you know, the aging parents. When we, when we reach our forties, um, where we've had a, a couple of steady years of progesterone decline, it seems like there's a critical level that is hit where most women are now just unable to do so, right? They are just, everything irritates them the cupboard could not be closed in a certain way and that can set them off. So I like uh, Vitex because of its progesterone balancing, testosterone balancing effects. Uh, it also helps with ovulation, which is really going to be important for my PCOS patients um, or PCOS ladies as well. Uh, it also does a couple other things. It, it binds to dopamine receptors, uh, which is also going to lower prolactin. So prolactin, uh, when it's too high, it can stop the ovaries from producing estrogen, right? Which also can now contribute to irregular periods and vaginal dryness and low libido and all the things. So the lowering of the prolactin can also help alleviate some of the symptoms of PMS. And last time we talked about the different stages of perimenopause with the earlier stages looking like you're running estrogen dominant because of those uh, that decreasing progesterone. So this is one of my kind of favorites, if you will, overall, it's like my all around favorite, right? Because it's going to help with uh, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone levels. And just to be clear, Vitex in and of itself is not a hormone, but it's just rather kind of stimulating some of these mechanisms of actions that can naturally help to balance, uh, naturally help uh, balance some of these um, symptoms. So um, a typical dose is somewhere around 100 to 200 mg, uh, milligrams by mouth. Uh, depending on the severity, I might increase that. And there are certainly... Um, Supplement companies I've seen as high as 600 milligrams per capsule. So uh, I would say most women in their 40s are going to benefit from a daily dose of somewhere between 100 and 200 milligrams by mouth, but certainly be working with your PCP, your primary healthcare provider, in order to determine what the best uh, plan of action is, um, for you. And the other thing that I'll say, uh, just in terms of symptom, uh, alleviation, which I, uh, want, another reason why I love it is, uh, it looks like Vitex can also help ameliorate the night sweats, the anxiety and the hot flashes. So if you're somebody who let's say is in her mid forties, late forties, early fifties, there's lots of stress on your plate and you're noticing that your sleep is really starting to be affected, which of course is going to affect a whole host of other things. Um, inefficient partitioning of fuel, focus and clarity the next day, muscle gain, weight loss, all the things. Um, taking Vitex is going to help with that. So it's going to help uh, decrease the night sweats. It's going to help decrease the hot flashes, maybe that you're experiencing overnight. And then the overall anxiety as well. Big fan big fan, huge. If you, uh, if you watch, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, <laughs> pretty woman, you'll get that little big mistake, huge mistake. Uh, this is not a mistake. That's just my, that's my poor imitation of uh, Julia Roberts in that scene. Okay. <laughs> I bet I'm the only person that gets that reference. And please, if you get it, please leave it in the comments. Let me know that my humor is not just hilarious to me. Uh, 
Another supplement that I love for stress management is rhodiola rosacea. This is, um, I mean, it's, it's an adaptogen and I'm going to be talking about a couple of adaptogens today, but, uh, an adaptogen basically means that it sort of adapts to whatever it is that you need. So rhodiola can increase your energy, which a lot of perimenopausal women sort of feel like they've fallen flat on. Uh, it can improve your mental and your physical stamina. So your ability to focus and concentrate on a zoom meeting or, you know, at the gym, uh, rhodiola is going to certainly help with that. And it's also very, very important for resilience. Um, and we'll call it cellular grit as it relates to um, stress. So, uh, rhodiola is kind of like, uh, she's sort of like the multitasker. She can do almost anything and that's because she is an adaptogen. So if you don't have enough energy, she will help you produce more. Um, if you have too much anxiety, she's going to help you reduce. And of course, Rodiola is a woman in this example. I mean, what else could she be? Uh, she's going to help reduce, uh, she's going to help reduce anxiety. If you have too much of it, if you are depressed, she is going to elevate and rev up the system because depression is not just a mental state. It is a physical state as well. So with depressed patients, we will see, let's say a decline in mental acuity and emotional, uh, health and, and happiness. But we also actually see a depression in gut motility. We see a depression in acid in the stomach to digest your food. So everything is lowered. Everything is kind of depressed. So taking rhodiola rosaceous will help, uh, rosacea will help with depression and rev up, rev up the system. Uh, it will help support adrenal function. This is something that is so incredibly important for a woman in perimenopause, because one of the things that we have to, um, understand is that the ovaries are now starting to, we'll call it retire. Okay. So they are no longer producing the amount of sex hormones that they once were or over the course of their, you know, of their life. And the adrenals are going to be taking over much of that role in menopause. So we also want to be thinking about fortifying and nourishing the adrenal glands, which are these sort of triangular shaped glands that sit atop of the kidney. Um, and they are certainly involved in the stress response, chronic and acute. Um, and I've talked about this in my book, there's a difference between, you know, distress and eustress, like bad stress and good stress. Um, but we certainly want to be thinking about in our forties to be um, managing stress so that, or the distress, let's say chronic low grade inflammation and stress such that we are, uh, nourishing, let's say, uh, among many other, uh, organs, but particularly of focus here is the adrenal glands, because once they take over sex hormone production, if they are, have just been lambasted for, you know, whatever it is, 30, 40 years, the transition to menopause will be more difficult. I often find that women with chronic stress have a harder time with menopause. There's more symptoms that we're dealing with. And the capacity of the glands to now uh, produce these sex hormones is also going to be attenuated. Rhodiola has also been uh, shown to help with brain uh, health, particularly brain fog and focus. So a lot of women, again, in their 40s are like, I've walked into this room and I don't know why, <laughs> right? Or I'm sitting on a Zoom meeting and I have no idea what the past five minutes, what what everyone's been talking about because I've, I've zoned out somewhere. Uh, can help with weight loss as well. Generally, 
um, help with athletic performance, as I mentioned, um, and it does a whole bunch of other things we won't get into, but very high level can help reduce blood pressure, help with immune function, etc. So I really do love, uh, I really do love rhodiola as a supplement. I typically like to recommend taking it in the evening. Um, and I feel like that helps with, um, I feel that that helps with the quality of sleep, which is usually a, a focus of concern um, for my ladies in perimenopause. All right, let's talk a little bit about let's let's talk about ashwagandha, and then I want to talk about phosphatidylserine. Uh, ashwagandha, like uh, rhodiola rosacea, is also an adaptogen, so it kind of can adapt to whatever it is that we need. So it can either rev up the system or calm it down. Uh, ashwagandha very well known for its building again, that cellular grit and that resilience to the demands in our life. And like rhodiola, I do like to recommend often taking this in the evening as we are winding down, uh, for bed. I also actually like it shortly after, uh, a workout session. So I do like maybe an hour to two hours after a workout session. Sometimes I'll have some ashwagandha as well. So what does it do? Well, um, one of the biggest things that it does is it helps with sleep. Um, seems as though, uh, ashwagandha taken before bed can help with sleep quality, uh, as well as latency, which is the time that it takes for someone to fall asleep. So ladies who are feeling like that tired and wired where you're getting in bed and you're like, okay, I'm going to get to bed. And then like your mind is racing or you have this random question that, you know, pops up onto your, you know, pops up into your head. And then we can't, it's like, you're lying in bed. It's quiet. You know, you've made the room cold and you have blackout blinds and you're doing all the things. And then, you know, suddenly there's a thought that pops into your head. That's like, why do noses run and feet smell? <laughs> right. Or some random question. I mean, I may or may not be speaking from experience and like some of these questions that pop up into my own mind at night, but, uh, certainly is going to help with latency in terms of you, your ability to fall asleep. Uh, also generally with insomnia. So the women who are listening, who wake up between those, those witching hours of two and four in the morning, uh, and also helping to reduce morning sort of lethargy and anxiety that can happen as well. So absolutely love ashwagandha, um, as well. Uh, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful adaptogen. The last one I, I'll mention is phosphatidylserine. Uh, this is a phospholipid, so it's um, basically helps to maintain cell membranes, which is really important for, gosh, I, like I don't know how technical we, we can get today, but basically helps with cellular health, helps with cellular communication, uh, helps with the integrity of the cell in and of itself. Um, seems like phosphatidylserine does help with sleep, particularly uh, those of us who have sleep-related difficulties are, that are related to stress and that are, that have potentially uh, elevated cortisol levels in the evening. So very briefly, cortisol is not the devil that it's often made out to be online. We actually do need cortisol, but when we want it is we want it in the morning. So we want, and there's something called that there's a circadian rhythm to cortisol. We have something called the cortisol awakening response, which is 
just what it sounds like. Your cortisol is being secreted in higher and higher amounts in the early hours of the morning. And that is a, uh, that is a part of that is a function of getting us up in the morning and getting things going. It is also very important for immune system. So, and when your cortisol levels are high, cortisol will almost act like a general and kind of go along the line of all the immune cells and kind of check them out and see which ones are the ones that we want and which ones are the ones that we don't want. Often, so often with autoimmune patients, we, we create autoantibodies, right? So we create these antibodies that are directed at the self. And so when we have high cortisol levels in the morning, which is healthy and normal and what we want, there's something called central tolerance that happens. So I often think about it like cortisol is almost like the sergeant running down the line to see which soldiers are out of line and can pick out the autoantibodies from the line and say, you guys get out of here. Right. Um, for a lot of our autoimmune, uh, at least, uh, autoimmune patients, uh, that I've counseled, it seems like that cortisol awakening response is often blunted. So we don't have a high enough amount of cortisol in the morning. Um, and so a lot of, uh, I'll say Hashimoto's patients, patients with MS, uh, patients with lupus, they feel, or any, any autoimmune, um, condition truly, but these are the, these are the ones that I often, uh, work with the most. I'll, I'll say also to a lesser degree, some of the arthritides as well. So like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, what, what you'll find in these conditions is a general achiness and swelling in the morning. Joints are hurting, uh, face feels puffy. Everything feels puffy. And that's because the cortisol levels are not high enough. So all that to say, um, that we have in a normal, in a normal response, we have high cortisol levels in the morning and then it sort of falls off of a ski slope, right? So imagine you're going down a black diamond hill. Cortisol should follow that over the course of the day, such that when we get to the evening, there's not much cortisol left. And we actually require that in order to fall asleep. We need low cortisol levels and there's a whole host of other hormones that are beyond, uh, you know, there's, um, there's adenosine and there's melatonin and there's all these other, there's sort of a, a coordinated dance that happens in order for the sleep cycle to begin. But one of the, one of the requirements there is a decrease in cortisol. And so phosphatidylserine coming back to this original point for some individuals, there is a, either a overall blunt in the cortisol output, or we have a reverse cortisol curve, meaning that their cortisol levels are low in the morning, but then as the day goes on, their cortisol levels creep up higher and higher and higher. And so that might be the mom picking up her kids at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, who's just very stressed for the rest of the evening is not able to wind down. Um, that might be the jarring email or jarring news that comes late in the day or a stressor that comes late in the day. You might also be working out too late in the day as well, which drives up cortisol too. Phosphatidylserine helps to counter that. So I like phosphatidylserine, um, in general, and there is a, uh, there is a product I've talked about it on a couple of, uh, uh, you know, where I've been a guest and I'll, of course I'll share it here on my own show, uh, no affiliation with them, but there is a, there is a product called cortisol manager, um, and I believe the, uh, brand is integrative therapeutics. 
I'll find the link and I'll put it in the show notes for you. You can buy it off of Amazon as well. They, they combine all of the things that we have just talked about, save for the Vitex. So they will, there's ashwagandha, there's phosphatidylserine, there's rhodiola. So there's all of these things bundled up into, um, uh, into one product. And I, you know, they have a whole bunch of other, uh, products in their range, but I do believe that this is kind of like the, you know, this is like their, uh, this is their show pony. This is like their number one bestseller. It's a, it's a great product. All right. So those are some of the supplements that I would be considering. Of course there are others, but I am a bit of a supplement minimalist in that I like to think about what are some of the minimum effective doses? What are the, the supplements that I can be using that are going to help combat chronic stress. I mean, certainly, um, there are others like melatonin supplementation that for some women who need to help have, uh, some help falling asleep, uh, that can also help as well. There are, there are many others, but I think that these are when we think about foundational supplements for a perimenopausal woman, um, I would say these are them in terms of dealing with chronic stress. The other two that I'll mention are two that I wrote about in the Betty body, and it still stands true for, um, a perimenopausal woman that is going to be magnesium and vitamin D. So magnesium, as I talk about in the Betty body, um, is a truly a girl's best friend. Like we don't need diamonds, we need magnesium. And so what I have landed on, uh, for a woman who is optimizing her fertility and has predictable cycles, you can be cycling your magnesium up and down over the course of your cycle. So at a base level, I sort of like 400 milligrams that everybody is on all the time. If you're in perimenopause, you probably need a little bit more, um, up to, and you know, I don't know exact, you, you can figure out what that exact number is for you by working up to your GI tolerance, your gastrointestinal tolerance of magnesium. And what I mean by that is you can start off at 400 migs and then you can maybe the next week, try 500, maybe the, and then the next week after that, try 600. And if there's no, uh, change in your stools, uh, frequency and consistency in your bowel movements, then you can continue to increase or you are going to reach a limit at some point. Um, but I find most women in perimenopause need a little bit more magnesium as a general rule. So I personally have settled somewhere around. So in my, I'm still very regular, still have a very regular, like clockwork, uh, cycle. Uh, I'm currently 45, uh, 20, I'm a 29, 29 day girl, uh, still some, some, sometimes I'm 28, but for the most, but most part is 29. Um, and I have a baseline of about, uh, seven to 800 milligrams of magnesium every day. And then, in my luteal phase. So that's in my follicular phase. And then in my luteal phase, I actually really like to get up to a gram. So I am taking a gram of magnesium, uh, and it's a combination of, uh, magnesium, uh, uh, glycinate, citrate, malate. I also like magnesium L3 innate, which crosses the blood brain barrier. So it does also help with brain. Uh, it helps with brain uh, function as well. So that's what I do. So it's like 800 to a gram, 800. So 800 for two weeks and then a gram for two weeks. And then the last one, of course, is vitamin D. The best source of vitamin D is going to come from the sun. Um, so I am, I know that there's, there are many camps when it comes to sunscreen. I am a sunscreen minimalist. 
That's not to say that I don't wear SPF, um, let's say on my face, uh, but on my body uh, in the summer months, and honestly, even in the winter, I am always in a tank top. Like I put on, if you're watching on YouTube, like I put on this top to record. <laughs> if I show you, actually, I just will show you. So I'm actually just wearing like, this is like my, this is like my Zoom, um, this is my Zoom outfit. But if you look sort of below the waist, I have my leggings and then I have my white socks. <laughs> so the secret is out, but I'll always share with you because I love you. But I put on this kind of like little profesh top, but for the most part, I'm always in tank top. Um, so, and I live in Toronto, Canada, which is, you know, it's a major city. We are on the East coast. We get all four seasons. We get winter, we get fall, spring and summer. And every day, I don't care what the temperature is. I'm outside in a tank top having a cup of coffee. So I'm always trying to get some sun exposure, albeit in the wintertime, it's not as pleasurable in a tank top as it might be in the summertime, but I still do it. So we want to have a combination of sun exposure. So we are creating that uh, that vitamin D on the surface of the skin. And then you can supplement that with vitamin D3 supplementation, but you'll always pair that with a K2. So depending on the individual, um, I think in the summer months or in direct sunlight, and we'll say in the summer months in on, you know, on the East coast, because the sun is certainly not as strong, uh, you're making something like a thousand, uh, international units of vitamin D. I believe it's every 10 minutes, something like that. Uh, it might be a little shorter actually, now that I'm running the calculation because normally, yeah, I think it might be even, it might actually be even every minute. Let me fact check myself on that and I'll put it in the show notes, but I believe it's a hunt, a thousand international units of vitamin D every, we'll call it every minute for now. And if there's a correction, I'll make sure that I put it in the show notes, um, with references so you can imagine like 10 minutes of, yeah, that's right. So 10 minutes of sun, direct sun, let's say in the summertime, you're going to get 10,000 IUs of vitamin D. That's a great amount of vitamin D. And, and you'll also start to see changes, right? In the, in, in your melanin, like you're going to also start to tan at that, at that point, assuming that you don't have any sunscreen on. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. So, um... In the winter time, I would say at a very minimum, there should be 4,000 IUs of uh, vitamin D getting into the system, whether that's outside for a minute, <laughs> which sometimes it is in the dead of winter, uh, and then you're supplementing with a vitamin D3K2 blend. I think that that's 
uh, you know, sage advice and a nice baseline to work towards. So always remember that these are like kind of the floors, not the ceilings that I'm giving you. Okay. So we have all the supplements. Um, I wanted to just touch on hair health and dry skin because this came up a lot in the questions. It was like, my skin is dry. My hair is thinning. Uh, what do I do? So we talked a lot about how to downregulate the androgen receptor locally, um, or sort of systemically with Dr. Kyle Gillette on the show. So we'll make sure that that's linked out in the show notes for you to have a listen in terms of how testosterone can affect hair growth, how menopause and perimenopause can affect our hair quality as well. But I wanted to share again with this idea of action items, some of the things that you can be doing irrespective of your age to sort of help with your skin and your hair. And this is something that I'm asked about often, like your skin is, looks like, you know, it's so glowy and your hair is so shiny. So I can tell you that I personally, uh, at a frequency of about once a month, um, I will have a, we'll call it like a detox, uh, shampoo and conditioner. Like I hate the word detox because it just sounds like, I'm having some like cayenne pepper and maple syrup combination, but it's like, um, you know, there's usually, uh, apple cider vinegar and maybe there's some, um, you know, I'll, I'll put, I'll, I'll find the recipe that there's a, there's a girl that I follow on Instagram and I just basically make the recipe, but it's like apple cider vinegar. Um, and I don't typically use a lot of hair products naturally. I actually try to stay away from heat and things like that, but I do, um, use, there's a shampoo that I use. Um, I want to say it's L'Oreal. Uh, and it's also like a detox, like it's a, a product buildup remover. Uh, so I'll either do the ACV rinse or I'll, I'll use the shampoo kind of once a month, like a shampoo and conditioner kind of blend. The other thing that I do, uh, with my hair, and I think that this needs to, um, also be an Instagram post because I look absolutely ridiculous doing it, but I do it every night is that I put oil on my ends every night. So I have like a jojoba oil that I'll just put at the, you know, just on the ends of the hair, because this is the oldest hair, right? So obviously this is the newest hair right at the scalp. And then this is kind of the oldest hair. So we want to make sure that we are conditioning it every night because it, 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 ha it has the potential to get really dry. And then I also, uh, and this is the ridiculous part, I, I wrap my hair in a pair of leggings. So stay with me. <laughs> this is like my ultimate life hack. Okay. Because I have long hair and you know, when your hair gets to a certain length, as you ladies will very well know, if you're not doing anything overnight, your hair is going to wake, you're going to wake up it's going to be knotted. You're going to have like weird space. Like it's just going to look weird from like the way that you've been sleeping overnight. Um, and so I'll put the, I'll put the oil on my ends. I'll kind of let it, you know, sink in for five minutes or whatever. And then I'll put the leggings on my head. So like where your kind of butt would go, goes like on my, on my head. And then the two legs, right. Go on each side. And then what I'll do is I'll split my hair in half and then wrap my hair around each leg and then just kind of like tie it up. So now my hair is also not getting the friction of the weight of my head, let's say, and if I'm turning like on my left side, my right side, my back or my front or whatever, uh, my hair is now not being exposed to that because it's being covered up by the legging. 
So I hope that I'm explaining this well. Uh, I know that um, my fiance Giovanni has a couple of hilarious pictures of me uh, in this legging, uh, in this sort of legging getup. So I'll make sure that I post it um, online on Instagram, and then I'll probably do a video on YouTube. So if you're a YouTube subscriber, uh, you'll see it there um, as well. And then the bonus, of course is that I have perfectly curled hair in the morning. So it looks like I've walked out of, sal- of of a salon. It looks like I've been, I've had heat rollers and, you know, rollers and curlers and blow dry and whatever. And my hair is shiny and it's curly and I've used no product, just the oil to keep the ends um, smooth and moisturized. So it's like my absolute favorite thing to do. And now hopefully it will become yours. And, um, the other thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is when I do wash my hair, which is not every day, uh, I probably wash my hair two to three times a week. Um, before I wash my hair, I will, um, put on my scalp rosemary oil. So a rosemary essential oil. And then I have this little, um, I guess it's called a scalp massager where I can just kind of massage in the oil into the scalp and I let it sit there for maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And then I'll pop in the shower and just do my regular shampoo and conditioner dance. And then I'm out. But I definitely wanted to share that with you as well, because I, I do think that there is an, uh, it's okay for your hair to get a little dirty. Um, and I actually think that washing your hair every day is, is, is going to overstrip your hair and it is absolutely going to ruin at least, uh, I've seen this far too many times, both myself who used to wash my hair every single day. And then just like clients that I've had the rapport with that I've talked about my hair, you know, quote unquote secrets with, um, always the women with the best hair don't wash it every day. So I'll just leave it there and invite you to think about that. And if you already are doing that good for you, and if you think that that's the most disgusting thing that you've ever heard, I'm sorry. Um, but I think that maybe we are potentially an overly sanit, like an already overly sanitized society and having a little dirty, little slightly like day old, you know, hair, uh, I think actually helps with holding style and it's better for your hair as well. And so I have like an, like just a little itty bitty Amazon storefront. I'll put that in there. If you want to take a look at some of the products, I'll make sure that they're all up in there as well. Okay. So that's my little, that's my little shtick around hair care. Um, in terms of dry skin, um, I have talked about this before, but I am a huge fan of olive oil. So as we age, our skin does get drier. Uh, we have to make sure obviously that Hydration is coming from within so that you're well hydrated. You're taking, um, you're having enough salt. So shout out to one of the sponsors of the show element. We'll make sure that they're, that you can purchase some of their, um, their sachets highly recommend the chocolate, by the way, chocolate salt's one of my favorites. Uh, so it's grapefruit and so is watermelon when they have it in stock, but, um, making sure that you're having enough sodium so that your body can actually hold on to the water is important. But then in terms of external application, I really like olive oil. So you actually don't need a lot of olive oil. This is another question I get. It's like, aren't you going to be like greasy? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, how much olive oil I use, you know, maybe for my entire leg, you know, just the distal phalange. Like if you just sort of look at the, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see me sort of pointing to, um, the distal joint on my pinky. Like that's how much olive oil I'm using for my entire leg. So it's incredibly efficient, very economical and, uh, very moisturizing. If you're 
not so inclined to use olive oil, uh, you may think of like a thicker, uh, moisturizer. Nivea comes to mind, uh, sort of one of the classics from Germany. Um, so I, I also have Nivea like knocking around somewhere, but I have my, have an olive oil, um, tin actually <laughs> that I import, uh, from, uh, Greece. I have, uh, I have a, I have a Greece connect and I have an I- I- Italian connect. So sometimes I'll get like a big, you know, like those big tins, um, for, of olive oil and that's in my bathroom and I have like a little kind of pump. So I'll do a little pump and that's, you know, basically moisture for my entire, um, uh, for my entire body. Let's move into bioidenticals. We've been talking Part one, we talked about foundational um, practices that you can be doing. We've reviewed some vitamins that you can consider for augmenting uh, or improving your stress response or your resilience to stress. I should say it that way. It might be more uh, potentially more accurate. Um, and now I want to talk a little bit about bioidenticals. Again, huge question here. Okay. And we're going to focus on this conversation in terms of progesterone cream, because I think that this is going to be across the board, the one that is most helpful for most women. So just as a quick review, progesterone is made after we ovulate, cannot be made if you don't ovulate. Uh, it is the primary hormone in the luteal phase of the cycle. And, um, and so this is, you know, if you're not, if you're not releasing, uh, if you're not ovulating, you're not going to be producing enough progesterone, which is obviously a problem. If you are someone who's androgen dominant, someone who has a condition like PCOS, um, there are others like hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, over exercise also can do it as well. So we want to make sure that we're ovulating, right? That's the number one goal of having our cycle. Uh, and part of that is to, uh, release progesterone. And as I, as we've been talking about as a through line, and it's also described, you know, very robustly in the literature, um, at a mid thirties, we start to see a very steady and continuous and predictable decline in progesterone over time. And while you may not necessarily initially feel it in your thirties or even in your forties, you may not feel like you are, uh, you have low progesterone. Uh, we may start to see changes in your labs. So for example, if you're someone who's regularly monitoring your labs, you may start to see things like your cholesterol starting to creep up, right? Progesterone, one of the things progesterone does is to sort of keep our cholesterol levels in check. Other things like the vaginal dryness and the mood swings and the insomnia, um, we can, this also can be attributed in part to lowered progesterone, um, as well, whether or not you want a child, right? So this is like irrespective of your reproductive desires, uh, optimizing for an optimal reproductive cycle is the name of the game, even into our perimenopausal years, as much as we are able to. Some of the later stages of lowered progesterone are going to look like PMS, right? So we may feel more irritable. We may feel like our ability, as I've been saying, to deal with stress or to deal with some of the demands that we previously were able to kind of juggle is going to be decreased. Um, weight gain, feeling bloated, um, having irregular or heavy periods, right? Because now estrogen is going unchecked in that luteal phase of the cycle because progesterone is not high enough to downregulate the estrogen receptors and all of the things. 
Uh, breast swelling and breast tenderness, also very common symptom of low progesterone. Uh, hair loss as well. So kind of to the point earlier, we were talking about, um, you know, if you're someone who's maybe a tormented sleeper, we'll say, uh, you can notice a lot of hair, uh, that's maybe more hair that's falling out than maybe it once was like, it's normal to lose about a hundred hairs a day, but if your hair is kind of falling out in clumps, maybe there's a progesterone deficiency, uh, there as well. So I think that the first thing when we're thinking about bioidenticals, um, is to answer the following question. Like, why is the progesterone, why aren't we making enough progesterone in the first place? So I mentioned before, like over-exercising and being androgen dominant. These are all reasons why you potentially may not ovulate, which is going to affect, directly affect your ability to produce progesterone. So the first question that you need to answer is why are my progesterone levels not high enough? You may be doing everything. You may be like the ultimate Betty. Like you may be following the, you know, the Betty body, uh, recommendations and lifting heavy weights and managing your stress. And you still feel like a basket case because you're 48 and you just like kids are driving you nuts. Parents are driving you nuts. It may just be a function of age, in which case something like a, uh, a bioidentical progesterone may be just the trick that you need. But I think um, before we would even consider any type of exogenous, whether it's a cream or a pill or whatever, uh, we do have to be thinking, we do have to be thinking about why it's happening in the first place. And do I have the fundamentals mastered? Am I managing my stress? Am I managing my stress well? Right? How am I spending my time and my energy and my money? Am I doing, you know, and am I doing those things that are in line with my core values? If not, maybe there's time for or potential there for a reevaluation. Um, so stress management, movement program management, nutrition management. And I want I want to be very clear when we're talking about bioidentical progesterone, I'm not talking about hormone replacement therapy. I'm not talking about progestin. There's a difference between progesterone, which is what your body makes and progestin, which is the, uh, we'll call it faux (laughs) or the synthetic progesterone that you might find in a hormonal uh, birth control pill. Uh, you may find that in an IUD, uh, like the, you know, you may find it in the Mirena, something like that. It's nothing like your natural progesterone, nothing. Um, and there, a couple of years ago, I actually have her coming back on the show. Uh, I did have Dr. Jolene Brighton, uh, where we were talking about, um, her book at the time, uh, post, birth control syndrome. And we were talking about the effects of progestin. So I'll make sure that we link that episode and also a good prequel because Jolene is coming back on the show. She has a new book coming out and we're going to be talking to her, uh, in the coming weeks around. Um, and I'm sure that this topic is going to come up with her, um, as well, but I want to be clear that I'm talking about when we're talking about bioidenticals, I'm talking about progesterone, not progestin. Progestin, has a whole cacophony of sins, uh, associated with it, including, uh, gobbling up B vitamins, gobbling up CoQ10, uh, showing a derangement in lipid panels, um, even to the extreme, uh, 
and this is some of this is based off of Jolene's research from her book, um, is this idea of women making riskier decisions than they otherwise would have, uh, with synthetic hormones. So not a fan of progestin, but I am a fan for supporting women with their stress resilience, with sleep and with some of the, um, we can call it like some of the knock-on effects of not having enough progesterone using a bio-identical progesterone. And quite frankly, you can find them anywhere. Like you can, surprisingly, you can buy them off of Amazon. Like you can go to a natural health food store, compounding ph- pharmacies are going to have them. So um, it's very easy to find bio-identical progesterone, but you do want to be, even though you can buy it off of Amazon, doesn't mean that you should. So I do want to just underscore here that it is very important. Again, for, if you are going to be thinking about bio-identicals for you to be working with your PCP to determine what the levels are going to be appropriate for you. Cause I can spout out all sorts of things. Uh, but as we know, we are all special snowflakes. And so what might work for one person is not going to work for another. And we do really need to be flexible in our thinking. So what I'm talking about here is kind of more high level, um, uh, high level strategies. Okay. So progesterone, uh, can be used to help alleviate some of the symptoms that we've been talking about, like anxiety and insomnia and breast tenderness and, uh, mood dysregulation and all of the things. Um, and typically if you're using it, I actually quite like it. I I find that it's well tolerated with patients when we're, when we're talking about it in cream form. So just kind of a pro tip, don't put it in an area that has a lot of hair, uh, because the absorption is going to be poor. It's actually just going to get in the hair and not in the skin. So you want to put it on, uh, call it like your chest area, maybe your neck, maybe your face, hands, inner, uh, you know, the under, uh, side of the forearm, inner side of like the inner thigh, that kind of thing. Uh, and I would also say maybe rotate it as well. Like I find I've seen some women who just always put it on the inner, like they just put on the wrist and the forearm and then like it, the skin can get a little irritated. So just kind of circle, uh, maybe, or just rotate where you're, um, where you're applying it. Um, and you want to be watching for, uh, changes in your stress response, right? So progesterone is going to promote a sense of calm, right? So that is going to help with your sleep. It's going to help with your response to some of the demands and the stressors, um, that you have in your life. Um, progesterone can help you relieve water retention, right? Whereas actually the fake stuff like the, well, I shouldn't say fake, I should say the synthetic stuff like progestin can cause you to retain water. So we want to be always trying to get the, the bio identical, the stuff and just naturally, right? It makes more sense for us to be using a product that our body knows what to do with rather than something that's synthetic. Now that's not true for all cases all the time, but I just think innately it makes sense when we're talking about hormones because hormones talk in whispers. Uh, we want to be using the stuff that our body knows, uh, you know, body knows and recognizes and, and knows what to do with. Okay. So, um, that's where I would start when we're, when we're talking about bioidenticals, that's actually where I would start would be a progesterone cream. And then whether or not you need estrogen later on, whether or not you need testosterone, uh, later on, I think is certainly, um, 
up to your PCP. And I don't believe that you can buy testosterone pellets or TRT on Amazon uh, yet. But I do think that it is something worth considering, particularly for, you know, so imagine you're taking your bioidenticals and still noticing changes in libido, despite weightlifting, despite having enough protein, despite managing your stress, despite having good sleep, um, really noticing uh, sort of some of the gynecological changes that can happen with a lower in a lower testosterone environment. So like lowered libido, vaginal dryness, pain with penetrative sex. Uh, that may be a very strong indication that uh, and you might be a very good candidate for testosterone replacement therapy and um, still very controversial uh, TRT for women. Um I know for men, it's just much more widely accepted. Um, and I think that we're starting to see potentially a little bit more acceptance around TRT, specifically for relieving some of these gynecological uh, fallouts of a low testosterone environment, like the vaginal dryness and the low libido, et cetera, et cetera. Um, painful orgasms is another one. So heart, like a difficulty achieving orgasm. And then if it is achieved, you know, that sort of tonic clonic contraction of the muscle is very painful for the patient as well. That's another indication maybe that your testosterone levels are a little lower. So these are sort of the, that's sort of the decision tree that I would make. I'd probably start with a progesterone and then maybe depending on the range of symptoms, we might consider uh, testosterone. We might think about estrogen um, if need be, but that would be really under the, under the sort of decision-making tree and the conversations that you're going to have with your, with your PCP. So bioidenticals, I can tell you from a personal uh, standpoint, I definitely am going to use them when it is required. <laughs> like at the moment that, you know, I, I keep, uh, I, you know, keep tight. Uh, we'll say like, I'm, I'm looking at my labs quite regularly. And uh, as of right now, my personally, my progesterone levels are exactly where they should be. I don't need uh, any supplementation. I was asked a very good question uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe it was a month ago now, and I wanted to sort of bring it to the forefront because I think maybe a few of you might be thinking about this as well. And the question was like, why wouldn't I just start progesterone as a prophylactic? Like if I know it's going to go down, why don't I just start it now? And I think that the answer to that, I mean, it's a, it's a great question because I'm all about preventative medicine. So I had to sort of sit and think about that. And I think that the answer here is that absent symptoms, right? So we've been talking a lot about some of the symptoms of low progesterone, sort of that PMS type of presentation or moodiness and irritability and, uh, that lowered, um, resilience to stress. Um, I think if you are doing most of the lifestyle pieces, uh, the progesterone therapy as a prophylactic isn't necessary. And the other thing to consider is while it's good a good idea in theory to prophylactically take some progesterone, even though you may have normal progesterone levels or even slightly lowered progesterone levels, but there's no clinically salient evidence that it's affecting your life in any way. Also keep in mind that when you start supplementing, you are now turning off your body's ability to produce it right? Because there are absolutely feedback mechanisms, positive and negative loops in the brain that are 
far more complex than I could ever pretend to, uh, to understand. And to like, I always sort of joke and say like, thank God no one consulted me in the design of, of the human body because I would have missed a bunch of things. So if you start taking an exogenous hormone, even if it's a bioidentical hormone like progesterone, you are now, uh, stopping or lowering your own ability to produce those hormones because your body, your brain is detecting higher circulating levels of progesterone. So it will shut off its own production of it because there's no need for there to be excess, right? Because there are, you can have, it's rare, but you can also have excess, um, uh, uh, there's excess progesterone and there's symptoms and consequences, let's say, um, of excess progesterone, like abnormal uterine bleeding, you know, all of, all of these things. So we want to be, we want to be really smart with it. And this is why a lot of this discussion has been focused on clinical symptoms and presentations. Like you may feel like tender and angry breasts. It may feel like sleep disturbances, hot flashes, all of these things, because if you're not experiencing those, as a prophylactic, it doesn't make sense because what you're essentially doing is cutting yourself off at the knees. So, um, and I'll say, you know, very transparently at, you know, at my age, in my ripe old age of 45, I'm still not on any, uh, bioidentical replacement therapy because I don't need it. Um, I have, and I'm, I'm not saying that that will be the case forever. I'm sure that there will be a point where I have to make a decision on how I want to manage uh, decreasing sex hormones, let's say, uh, whether it's progesterone, estrogens, testosterone, et cetera. But for the moment, I don't have any of those signs and symptoms that, that we've been talking about. And I have, um, dedicated most of my health practices to what we were discussing in part one. So even though I know it, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever stress management. Okay. Yeah. Eat whole foods, blah, 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 doc. Like, just tell me the supplements, like the supplements are going to help, but they're not going to replace lifting heavy, managing your stress and eating whole foods. So, uh, with that, I hope that you have found this part two very useful. We're going to have a lot of links uh, in the show notes for you, lots of past episodes and uh, my Amazon storefront and like all the, all the things in terms of like hair care, skin care, all the things. So I hope that you enjoyed this. Please, if you are if you are still listening, I would love for you to leave a review on what you thought of this um, perimenopausal little mini series that we've done and, uh, leave comments. If you want more, what else you'd like to see, uh, because that also informs these solo episodes as well. So I would love to be creating content that my beautiful Bettys want to be hearing about. So let me know. So you can either go into the iTunes, uh, app. You can rate, hopefully you feel this is worth a five, one of your five-star ratings. I hope that you feel that this podcast is worthy of that. And then leave us a review because I promise you that we read all of them. And anytime a new review comes in from wherever it comes in, I'm just delighted uh, to hear it. So I hope that this episode was helpful and I'm looking forward to serving you in the future. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast better with Dr. Stephanie is for general information only and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare providers, advice, treatment, or care. 
In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary health care provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only. 